Hey, this is Katie. This is the Writability Podcast. I am here today with Lisa McCary Freeman, who was here on my very first episode of recording and is back. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about reading strategies. Lisa, you want to introduce yourself first? Yeah, so I'm Lisa McCary Freeman. On normal circumstances, I usually teach at the Hanford campus, but I am an English instructor here at CUS. So yeah, I think we're going to start with a question, which is, did you ever get any readings assigned that were like super, super difficult for you? Do you remember like getting stuck with readings and what did you do when you did? Yes. Tried to stop myself from crying at the beginning (laughs) because I knew there was so much pressure, especially when you know that there's going to be like a discussion in class about it, you know, and you Mm -hmm. start to look at it and then you start to freak out and like words pop out that you've never seen before and sentences don't make sense. All of a sudden you've read a paragraph and you don't know what you've read and you read it over and over again. And it's just really frustrating. So yeah, definitely I've had that experience before and it's definitely normal. Like it happens to all of us. I think it still happens today. Yes, definitely. There's definitely sometimes I start reading something and I'm like, I can't, I can't read this. I know I specifically remember in grad school reading Kenneth Burke yeah for a class and like there was just so much assigned it was just such a long reading and I could not make it through any of it I was just like I don't know what this is saying I remember that the only way that I could get through it is if I took it paragraph by paragraph and just like translated it to my own words I would read and I would first retype just what they said which Mm -hmm. for some reason helped me. And then I would say it in my own words, just sentence by sentence and then read my full stuff. And it it felt like I was translating a different language because it was such dense academic reading. Yeah. I think the same thing when I was in grad school, the first time I read Judith Butler, it was like a foreign language. And I was like, wow, especially all the new words, like just everything was so new. So I'm an annotator. So I would like print it out and then I would sit there and I would circle words I didn't know and write definitions. I would like write my comments on the side. If a paragraph was like too difficult for me to understand, I would like you kind of translate it and kind of put it in my own words on the side. And then like what was most helpful to me though is I would bring it to class with all those notes or questions or things highlighted and like the discussion always crystallized everything. Right? It always made it so much easier because once other people started talking about it and other people had questions and we all started talking about the text together, the pieces started to come together for me. And, and then I could go home and reread it and then I'd be like, aha, now I get it. I'm like taking notes of all the reading strategies you're using there. I feel like we need to like break them down. I think the first annotation, right? Annotation is like the writing on reading, highlighting, all of that stuff is annotation. How do students decide what to do when they annotate? Like what should you be highlighting? What should you be underlining? Yeah. And I was actually thinking about this when you said we were going to talk about it. So backing up just a second before I answer that is like, now that we're all in online classes too, Mm. like maybe all of your readings are online. Maybe you chose to get an ebook format, right? So like, you know, maybe we should talk to you about like the different variations of what that could look like. Yeah. Digital reading strategies also, right? Yeah. But yeah, definitely. I always pick out like, if there's a word I don't know, I definitely don't skip it. You've had those moments, right? Where you like read a sentence and you're like, well, I don't understand that word, but I pretty much think I know the sentence and then like, it's actually not the meaning of the entire sentence at all. Mm -hmm. So I try to make sure I look up everything I don't know. And then (laughs) 
I always look, I always I'm laughing because I don't like <laughs> if I can figure it out from the context of the sentence, because what happens for me is if I stop to look it up, mm. I end up and down a wormhole. That's true. And a lot of the time, if I finish the sentence or the paragraph, I understand by the end of the paragraph. But I do, I mean, I do look up stuff all the time, but I don't do it. Anymore. Yeah. Every reader is different. Every student is different. Every learner is different. So yeah, like if it, if it stops you, definitely don't stop, right? Mm. Keep going. If you're anal like me, you can stop and look things up. Also, I always pick out like things that are striking or surprising, or I guess because I am an English major, if a sentence just reads so beautifully, I always like highlight or underline that maybe it's important or maybe they just had some really cool words strung together. I think like what you highlight and stuff is a really interesting conversation because uh, I can't remember what book it was, but there was some book that I read three times, once for pleasure, and I highlighted nothing. And then I read it as a student looking for certain things for a paper, highlighted, underlined one set of things. And then I taught it, highlighted, underlined a completely yes. different set of things. So I think um, that's one of the things that helps me at least. Sometimes it's hard to define what is important, right? Like in some classes, different stuff is important. In history, for example, you might care a lot about the dates and the people's names and stuff like that because you know it's on the quiz. That's the stuff you're highlighting. In English, like it really doesn't matter what the character's name is or the person's name is writing. Most of the, it, I mean, it does, but it's not the stuff you highlight because it's not what ends up being important. So I think part of the, being a good annotator is like knowing the purpose of your reading. Like why are you yeah. reading this? And if you understand why, you know what you should be looking for. Yes, that is true. And with the digital reading stuff, there are a lot of online tools and stuff that can help you yeah. do that, that you should be aware of. Just because something's on a screen doesn't mean you can't annotate it. I've been using Weva lately. Have you played with it, that Chrome plugin? No. It's so pretty. It lets you like organize your highlights and like to little folders and you can highlight on any web page or any PDF that you open in a browser. Gotcha. That's a good one. I don't have any fancy online tools that I use because if I were a student today, like if I had access to a printer, which I do now, I would print my readings out and I would like physically like highlight them and read them. But that's not the case for everyone. And that actually might not be accessible to everyone, which is totally okay. I would do the same thing. I'm starting a like, grad program, as you know, right now, and the books are way cheaper on Kindle. And I ordered a couple of them. Yes. I'm using an ebook, a free book for my English class this semester, like an OER book. And so, so I'm thinking about how I'm going to talk to my students about reading that. I don't think anyone would print it out. That seems a little bit extravagant, but certainly like I'm thinking, well, you want to take notes with it, right? You don't want to just sit and read it and then like have to go into a discussion about it or something, right? Is it a PDF format or something? Yeah, it's a PDF. Yeah. Well, and you can highlight and stuff in PDFs too. Like that's true, true. And they, uh, they're not always the best annotation tools, but like there is PDF annotation tools though. That is true. Yeah. I, you know, do something with the reading, right? We always say active reading, right? Do something with it instead of just read it because chances mm -hmm. are like you might forget something or might overlook yeah. something. So I think it's important, like whatever your process is, sometimes students just like leave audio notes to themselves about mm. things. So that might be cool. What other active reading kinds of things do you do? Like I ask questions if I have questions. I especially like, you know, things that I said that I always highlight or underline things that like are inspiring or really interesting to me, but I'll even do that with the things that like, I don't understand because if it's mm. confusing, that is something that I should come back to and talk about or, 
you know, reevaluate or something like that. So questions, definitely. Sometimes I'll summarize something in the margin. Like if there's a long section of something, right, I can use a quick little space to kind of summarize. I, you know, respond to it. Like maybe I've read something before that reminds me of this and I can make connections between the different texts you're reading in class. Like, oh yeah, she said this and it makes me think of X or Y those were the, like the things I wrote down. I ask questions and make predictions. And then also with the connections, yeah. Connecting to other readings, connecting to your prior knowledge helps you yes. understand a text. I, a lot of my questions even are like, oh, is it like this? Like, is their argument the same as this person? Would they yeah. agree with this person? Like those kinds of things. And then if it's a text that starts to get me like skeptical, I'll be like writing questions and stuff challenging. Like, how are they going to address this and stuff? Just kind of preparing myself for conversation in English. And again, that's that's a pretty Englishy way to read. I think one of the big things to remember when you're coming into college English classes too, is I think a lot of us in high school read mostly literature, right? You read mostly yes. fiction, you read novels and stuff like that. And the things you'd annotate when you're reading that stuff are pretty different than what we're doing now as we're reading yes. essays, right? Yes. Now our stuff we're reading is arguments and nonfictions, not stories. So it's not about plot. It's not about characters. It's about authors and essays and arguments. And like to make that shift, I think it's a little jarring. Yeah. That was the other thing I was thinking about with annotations is making connections to the real world, right? Like how does this argument or how does this point situate itself in our world today. So like, especially if a text is older, but even if it's like, you know, a few years old, I always try and ask my students, you know, if this person came to the classroom today and sat in front of you, like, what would you ask him? What would you talk to him about, right? Him or her? It's kind of interesting to think about like, well, what does this say to, you know, us today? Or how does this speak to some of the issues that we might be dealing with today? Mm -hmm. So that's always something that I think about too. What things could you do as you're reading to help you be a better paper writer? Okay. Well, again, purpose right? You mm -hmm. want to think about like, well, what do I have to do with this? I think the first thing is making sure that you understand it, right? And understanding is like the first step, right? Yes, like the first yes. time I tell my students, like understanding is the bare minimum of what you need to do with the text. Like you got to go farther than that. Yes. Yeah. So if any of your teachers are assigning you, they say, I say, we know that the they say comes first, right? The summary comes first. The understanding of the text comes first. And so that is like super important is just making sure that you mm -hmm. understand like what the writer is saying, be able to like, maybe briefly summarize it. And then I would just like think about what are some important moments in the text that maybe you can pull out as quotes, your teacher is probably going to expect you to incorporate some kind of textual evidence into your paper somehow. So maybe you think about what are some moments in the text that could supplement as evidence for a point that you're trying to make. And often I will say to like add to that, like I have to reread stuff when I'm writing a paper about it. I think a lot of students think that any sort of rereading means they're a bad reader. And I oh, really no. don't think they're, that's true, right? Like when I read stuff that's difficult, I reread as I go. Yeah, me too. It's necessary. It does not make you a bad reader. It makes you a good reader because you're reading it enough to get to the place you need to be. Yeah. Can we talk about audiobooks though for a second? Because that's, Absolutely. In, that's interesting <laughs> to me with like reading and living in this pandemic now, like I'm reading, I'm listening to audiobooks so much more because I go on walks during the day. And mm -hmm. so I've read like 10 books this summer just through audiobook for a while. Wasn't sure if my understanding would be the same, hmm. like reading a text, like with my eyeballs versus listening to a book. And I actually like 
my comprehension is like really good with listening to audiobooks. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. I actually weirdly have been listening to less audiobooks over summer. I've had students who like have been hesitant to tell me they've listened to their books on audiobooks because they feel like I'm going to think it's cheating or something. Oh, right. Because um, they're not actually doing the reading. And I'm like, nah, guys, like it counts. I don't care. Yes. Um, I know some of them too, and I'm trying to find the name right now, but a lot of my students have used apps where you can t- like take pictures of pages and it reads mm-hmm. to them. Speechify is one that my students oh, speechify, use. Speechify, yeah. So when it's really difficult, even though then it's just a computer voice, it helps them to just hear yes. hear it being read. And yes. I, I completely support that, especially in this semester when it's like one of the reasons this is a podcast is I'm worried that students are going to have so much video content and so much reading to do that yeah. they're going to be overwhelmed. So like do what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my students also, I mean, I'm not that savvy with YouTube, but so many of my students will say like, Oh, I found the audiobook on YouTube or someone reading the book on YouTube. And I'm like, Oh, great. Like, again, like what you said, if you find something, listen to it. And that's a plug. Also, you don't have to pay for Audible or whatever. Your county library may in fact have it. I do not buy books anymore your library has an app. The other thing you said a long time ago that I wrote down and circled was that like you learned a lot when you got to class and got to talk to people. Another thing that probably isn't going to be happening completely in the current pandemic world. However, I used to do something similar when I read difficult things, which was like, I would just like go and tell my roommates about it. Like I would Uh talk it out with my roommates who haven't read it. And like, even that I think is a really important part of like a reading process. If you have a friend who will listen to you talk about what you just read, it will help you process it. Yeah. Tell someone, tell your mom, tell your cat, like have a conversation about that reading and it will be helpful. Even better if you have a friend who's in the same class, Mm -hmm. but if you don't, then just tell someone else. Or just bug your instructor for, a zoom meeting and say hey can we talk about this yeah come to our (laughs) office hours and be like let's talk about this reading because it will help we love to talk about the things we assigned any tips for students who are reading something they find boring i would the only other note that i have about this is like know where you read best and what habits work because everyone's different like when i read i have to be in a very quiet environment whereas like i don't know my sister has like blaring music on and that is bliss for her. Like if you're distracted with TV or if you have family members in the house, like where is a space that you can maybe concentrate a little bit more or like even time of day. Like I am much more attentive in the mornings than I am at night. If I read something at night, I am not remembering it the next day. No, I am asleep. Yeah, I always, I was, students will come to class and be like, I read it, I just don't remember any of it. And I'm like, okay, then you need to find a different way to read, right? Yes. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't count. We, just a plug to different podcast episodes, there's an episode about time management and one about being successful online students. And in both of those, we have conversations about when and where to do your work. That's just a, just a plug to other writability <laughs> podcast episodes uh, awesome. where we discuss that. I think it's really important to just like figure out what works for you. I mean, it's not easy. And I think like I, I've had conversations with English people about this. Like I used to be able to read so much better. I've been reading the same novel for like a month and it used yeah. to be like that novel I used to would have gotten done in three days. Yeah. Know that you're not alone in that struggle. Yeah. Last question I've been asking everybody. Uh, what are you learning right now, Lisa? Hmm. I'm learning how to sell a house right now. 
Oh, how fun. I, Is yes. it fun? I don't know. It's kind of scary. So I'm learning how to talk to a realtor and how to prep a house to get sold and what commission they get out. It's, it's a whole thing. So I'm learning how to do good. that. Good. That is a good, like adulting skill for you. It is. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. If you guys want to ask questions, email me at kdb at cos.edu. You can find both of us in the COS directory and good luck reading the stuff you're reading this semester. Thank you.